Welcome to Inside Out. Without prejudice or boundaries, this space is for raw and vulnerable conversations surrounding health, mental well-being, relationships, parenthood, and so much more. Our goal is to deliver a conversation that will educate and empower you through shared experiences told by inspiring and relatable guests. My name is Chris. I'm a wife, mum, and stepmom who is on a personal journey that cultivates a life of alignment and intention. I hope these conversations encourage you to do the same. Let's dive deep into today's episode. Today's episode is part one of the three-part self-love series, a series of conversations with strong and confident women who are experts at flexing their self-love muscle. In each episode, each guest will share their experiences with topics such as body image, self-worth and teaches ways we can embrace our authentic selves and love ourselves more. My first guest is a wife, mum, model, founder of the Self-Love School and podcast host, Lauren Burton. In this chat, Lauren shares her lessons and personal journey to self-love and holistic well-being. Lauren's goal is to unlock the unconditional love that's inside of us and it was an absolute pleasure to share part one of this series with her. Let's dive into today's episode. Part one of the self-love series starts now. Hi, Lauren. Thanks so much for putting aside some time and energy to chat to me today. I've really been looking forward to speaking with you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I'm really looking forward to this as well. Oh, that's so good to hear. I know that I have been really excited about this conversation because the last like six months or so, I have been making a conscious effort to really align with accounts on social media that feel quite authentic to me. And your name popped up a little while ago, Self Love with Lauren, which was right around Mm. the time I sort of decided to level up on the podcast inside out and do a series of conversations surrounding self-love. So it's kind of like I manifested you. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So Lauren, before we dive deep, I would like to know a little bit about you, where you're from and yeah, just a little bit more on Lauren. Um, Okay. So I, my name's Lauren Burton. I'm a mum of three Uh, boys. They are five, seven and nine. Um, and isn't it so funny how we always like go straight, like straight to the mom role? Like, um, my yeah. name's Lauren, and I'm a mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm um, really the same. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's such a defining role. But yeah, so mom of three. Um, I my I'm a social worker by trade, but I'm also a plus size model. So um, a mixed bag I am. <laughs> um, I think. Yeah, just really multifaceted. Like a lot of us women, we are a multitude of things. So it's kind of hard to say what you do and who you are. So, um, yeah, I think as we keep chatting, it will all unfold. And and modelling would take you in such a different direction. Like you'd be constantly pivoting with different roles and different Totally. Yeah. So for those that don't already follow you, Lauren, your Instagram handle is selflovewithlauren. Can you take us back to where this concept of creating an Instagram profile with such a strong message sort of started for you? Like how did that show up? Well, I, it, it kind of evolved. I definitely didn't um, like have the idea, like I'm going to do this. It, it kind of started like, I just, uh, like I started Instagram probably seven years ago when um, I only had the one baby and it was just a way for me to document 
you know, the kids and their growth and their milestones and all their cute little baby outfits and stuff like that. So that's kind of how Instagram started for me. And then, I, you know, the rise of the influencer came and I was like, wait a minute, like I can totally do that. Because yeah. I already had like a modeling background, like I started modeling when I was 14. So um, from 14 to 19, um, I modeled as a teenager and then got married at 20 and had my first child at 22. So I kind of thought like modeling was totally done for me. Like that was the end of my modeling career at 19. Um, but I, it kind of like that fire always kind of stayed inside of me. And I always had this hope that one day I could get back into it. But plus size modeling was not a thing back then, you know, um, and diversity wasn't valued as much as it is today. So there was no hope for me back then to, to continue modeling like once I had my kids. Um, so, so yeah, so the, the Instagram account kind of came out of this, um, desire to kind of just be a different face or a different voice. And, and I saw all of these other, um, women on there, like being majorly influential. And I know we use the, the term influencer a lot, but when you actually look at what an influencer does, it is literally um, you know, soaking into like the hearts and minds of people on on mass. So I I wanted to do that, but I wanted to um, be just a different point of view, a different perspective, something real, something different. Um, and I wasn't really seeing people that looked like me, um, and and also like had my experiences to offer. So it wasn't just. Um, you know, a pretty face. I'm, you know, I'm a mom, I have a degree in psychology, like I have a lot to offer the world. And I felt like, you know, Instagram is all about the pretty pictures. So I'm like, okay, I can do that. But I, I can also use that the pretty pictures to bring an important message. And, and that's what's evolved over time. So um, kind of like my self love journey started probably about three or four years ago. Um, but it was very much internal and it wasn't something that I was ready to share with the world. Um, but once I started get, getting deeper into it and really realizing like, wait a minute, like I'm not alone in this, like I'm not alone in how I'm feeling and, and the struggles that I was having with, you know, my post baby body and um, feeling like I had to keep up with, with social media and the different um, body types and the perfect mom and, and all of these, these ideals that were being pushed at me. Um, on my Instagram feed, I was really feeling that pressure. And I knew that, like I said, I wasn't alone in that struggle. And um, so that's why I wanted to start to open up little bit by little bit and share what I had been learning and what I've been going through um, on my self-love journey. So yeah, I love that because, you know, I think that Instagram influences that term again it's really underestimated the power that, that you do have online. And I think that it's yeah. a beautiful thing to just watch so many women like yourself that are being authentic and so true to themselves and opening up these conversations and this door on social media, basically for these young, young women coming on social media, like I've got a 10 year old and she's, you know, a couple of years off being on Instagram. And I think yeah. she's going to open this door and see all these beautiful women that are being real and honest and loving the skin they're in. And that's the world that I want her to see on Instagram. I don't want her to yeah. see the world that might've been five years ago where yeah. this conversation wasn't happening and these women yeah. weren't showing their face. And I, and I just love the message that you have on Instagram. So it's a really amazing thing that you're doing. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> 
So I know that you also run the self-care school, which is a business that is on a mission to teach you how to overflow with love for yourself, which obviously I just love. Um, Can you share a little more on this, Lauren? Um, This is really like a a project that's so close to my heart. So um, like when I sat back and really thought about like, what is the legacy that I want to leave on this earth? Um, all I could think about was just, I want to leave a legacy of love. I want to, um, be a light beam of love, bring love to this earth and, um, show other women how to do that as well. And, and I don't have all the answers I'm learning as I go. Um, but that's where the self-care school came from because I found through my journey in motherhood, I, was just so focused on everyone else around me as you know we're we're painted this picture of the perfect mother and that that is someone that's completely selfless and that's how I was raised as well like I watched my mother be completely selfless the most amazing um, mother but she was always run down she was always tired um, you know I watched her go through what we now know is like um, chronic fatigue because she was just so um, you know, she provided for every need that we had. I mean, my brother and I played sports. We, you know, she was up and down doing sports. She was, you know, doing the perfect Christmas. She was doing the perfect birthdays, like the whole shebang. Um, and it was just constant, like our house was spotless. So that's the example that I grew up with. And so I had this standard of, I have to be that. I have to be perfect. I have to be putting myself last in order for everyone else around me to be happy and everyone else's needs to be met. Um, And I still very much struggle with that. I still, you know, coming up to Christmas time, I'm like, the tree has to be perfect and the decorations have to be perfect, you know, the whole thing. And it's definitely a daily practice of, of mindfulness and, you know, being aware of what you're thinking and what you're feeling so you can pull yourself in and say, it's okay. It's okay if you're not perfect. Yeah, I totally resonate with being the martyr, you know, and making sure that we're not branding ourselves or or wearing that as a badge of honor because being selfless is is beautiful in a person, but it doesn't need to be worn as a badge of honor. And I think that we need to really, it it takes work to remove that because it's been conditioned to me. My mom was quite similar, done all the things, all the sports, the running around, you know, house was always perfect. She always presented us well. Like it it seemed quite like her, her being selfless was such a positive thing, but in mm-hmm. turn, it, it's made me that way and I don't have time for me. And that's been, that's something that we've got to work through and, you know, get out of that cultural conditioning essentially that we've been built to. And sure. yeah. So yeah. you are a mum, which is another reason why I resonate so much with your experiences. I know that I found motherhood with my initial transition with my son, Jesse, it was a big thing for me. It was a big transition that new season. How did you go when you first welcomed your children into the world? Um, it was, yeah, it was huge. It changes you. It changes your whole life. And there's, you know, you have those nine months to prepare, but you can never be prepared until that baby is in your arms, <laughs> you know? So um, it was definitely a huge transition for me. And and, and again, like with the social conditioning, when it comes to like the view that I have had of myself when I had my first son, I just thought, like, like I said, I was 22. I was so naive. I had no idea what to expect, really. And I thought that I would just go back to how my body was before. 
you know. So um, not only are you now dealing with the fact that you are responsible for this child, but you totally, for me, I can only speak for myself, but I totally lost myself. You know, my whole 24-7 was wrapped up in this baby and, you know, caring for him. And, and obviously it's such a joy. But after years of that and, and pouring into him and, and the other um, kids, I, I definitely lost myself. So, you know, there was this transition period of, well, I guess pregnancy was kind of the transition period because you watch your body change and then you're thrown into motherhood. Yeah. And like there is no transition period. It's just you're a mom now. Yeah. That's it. For the rest of <laughs> <Yeah>. your life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um there's you really are just learning as you go and there's no real time to adjust um, because you don't know what to expect on that first time. Um, but it's definitely been a process to um get back to myself, you know, and that's what this whole journey has been about, the self-care and the self-love. It's just been trying to find my way back to myself and and it's not who I was before it's who am I now with you know who is Lauren with kids yeah I love that just that new identity shift but yeah so realigning with who you once were and just finding that balance in the middle there yeah because we're in there it's just got to find what works now you know yeah um so before kids what was your body image view on yourself before kids in comparison to what it is now I never really had a struggle with my body image because I've, I'm a South African woman. I've always had a different body type to my Australian friends. Like in high school, I was the only black woman in a school of 2000 girls. I went to an all girls school. So I, I always knew I was different. I always like, no matter how much cardio I did, I was always going to have these bigger hips and a bigger butt. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, and with modeling as well, like I, it was, I was very aware that my body was different to um, the girls around me. So um, I think having a strong background, like, you know, being raised by other South African women, I didn't have an expectation that my body was going to look the same. So I had that um, strength behind me, I guess. Um, so I was quite confident, but I definitely, like pre baby, I was confident in my body. Post baby, like I said, I was not expecting the change. Like I breastfed um, all three boys and in between pregnancies, you know, like after that milk goes away, like I was, I was a C cup before and then my boobs just got out of control, huge. Um, and then ended up at a double D. So a double D with no milk in it was like pancakes, <laughs> you know, and then on top of that, you've got this saggy skin where your belly used to be. And I was not ready for that. So it was definitely, you know, like I said, I thought I was just going to go back to how I was before. And it took me like a good year of, you know, working out every day, watching what I eat to get back to my pre-baby weight. And still at my pre-baby weight, I still had the extra skin and the saggy boobs. Yeah, so it was definitely a shock. Again. <laughs> it was definitely a shock to the system and it definitely changed how I saw myself. I kind of felt like, you know, a failure because here I am after a year of, um, you know, putting in the time and effort to get back down to my pre-baby weight, I still didn't have the, the body that I wanted. So I was like, you know, what's wrong with me? Yeah. And, yeah, it just 
obviously nothing. <laughs> I know that now that that's normal, but it definitely, like I didn't have anyone at the time to, to share that information with me that that's normal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For me, when I was in school, I, I think I started with having a negative, you know, negative self-esteem and, and, and a bad body image on, on myself when I was quite young. Um, and I had one side of my family. So my father's family that were all bigger built women, they were all, you know, rounder and they carried a little bit more weight and they weren't very healthy. So that was the reasoning behind that. But then I had my mum's side and everyone was these, these petite, tiny stick figure women that do three walks a week and that just keeps them nice and healthy and fit. And, you know, and I was in the middle here and I would go one way. I, I would lean towards my dad's side because I was, you know, using food as an emotional tool to cope with how much I didn't like myself. And it started so young. And then I had this belief system like ingrained in my soul for so many years, but since having children just on how you mentioned before about your identity and, and going back to who you were, I've really found that having kids, has made me more confident in my skin whether it's wow. because I'm doing that for them I want them to feel good about themselves and you know we are just what we display they're going to take in and, and they're like sponges yeah. they just soak it all in um I don't know whether it's because of that or just because I realized the respect that I now have for my body and what it's done yeah. for me it built a baby it had a baby yeah. like <laughs> I don't care if I don't get back to my pre-baby weight or, or shorts or jeans or whatever, like my body's going to do its job. It's done an incredible mm -hmm. job. And with exercise with my son, Jesse, I went way too hard too soon. Like I would just mm -hmm. wanted to thrash myself. And I was in that headspace of I had to be this version of myself that I was, I couldn't be this new woman. I, I would, it was not going to happen. So I've worked really hard, but since having Lola, my daughter, she's four months, I've really noticed that I don't want to exercise for punishment. I want to do yeah. it with joy. And I've Definitely. finally found a balance in exercise and how much I just love training for me, my mental therapy, my health, yeah. my strength. And that's the only reason I'm doing yeah. it. The weight loss will come up already. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. And it's only since having having Lola and I don't know whether it's because she's a girl or, or what but yeah I've really enjoyed this this transition this time in comparison to the first time that's awesome thank you <laughs> you um are setting that example for her you know so she doesn't like she's gonna be ahead of the game you know because she's watching you she's modeling her life on yours that you you take mommy takes the time to take care of herself so that's what women do and, and as I mentioned earlier, I have a 10 and eight year old stepdaughter and um, they're on TikTok and TikTok's huge for kids. All the kids have them. It's totally normal. But there's so much in that world that have these little girls when they look in the mirror or see their reflection, they're now questioning their face, mm. their skin, their, their, their skin colors, their eyes, like, you know, one of them's a little bit lighter in skin tone than the other. And she's like, why can't I just have dark olive skin like her? Like they're comparing themselves a lot and I'm seeing that in my household. So I really just want to integrate so much positivity and, and self-love to these girls yeah. because it's only going to get harder as they exactly. get older. Yeah, that's so important. So recent studies just on that actually, recent studies suggest that there's been a significant increase in reports for eating disorders in men and young boys and being a mum of boys, what are your thoughts on this? It's terrifying. <laughs> it is absolutely terrifying because, um, but at the same time, I'm not 100% surprised because I feel like 
it, these issues with men's mental health have been there, but it's only just now and recently that it's becoming more and more acceptable for men to come forward and talk about their struggles. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, this whole um, theme of the toxic masculinity that has been there for a long time. If you look at the whole patriarchy setup, it's been there for a long time. But it's only, I think, with with our generation and the generation that's coming after us, we're opening these conversations for men to talk about how they're feeling and to talk, you know, women are coming forward and saying, I'm suffering with this. And, you know, the whole body positivity and body image movement with women is also empowering men to, to come forward and say, yeah, I, I do this as well. And, you know, you have, you look at, like, you know, the, the rise again of the bodybuilding um, industry and, and how unhealthy that can be for men and also men's mental health. Like, I think more and more men are coming forward and talking about their struggles and making it um, easier for other men to do the same. So I think that's why we're seeing the statistics go up. I don't think it's something new. Mm-hmm. And I think with the, um, with the bodybuilding industry, and I love that it does encourage from a holistic perspective, it does encourage well-being and health and being stronger and better in all facets of life. And I appreciate and respect that as, as the sport that it is, but it has men and young boys thinking that if they don't have muscles, they aren't a man. If they don't have six pack, they're not a man. And it questions that in their everyday, mm-hmm. and especially young males in high school. And, yes. you know, they've barely hit puberty yet, but they're questioning, yeah. you know, why don't they have muscles? Where are my muscles? Like, yeah. like, my God, these 40 year old men have done this for 10 years yeah. and they, they're not, you know, I guess being encouraged that as, as young girls are, it's not as present, I don't think, in education mm-hmm. or in carers' abilities to communicate yeah. with their young boys. It's yeah. okay to be a certain way to exactly. look play a sport and not be huge you don't have to be huge to be successful you don't have to be, be, a man, to be yeah. Successful. yeah either way it doesn't yeah. matter like women um and yeah I'd really like to see that sort of change in the next couple of years because you know yeah. three boys I've got one son and I don't want him going to school in that environment where he feels like he needs to be yeah. huge and be a version exactly. of himself that might may not ever happen you know yeah and I think you hit the nail on the head on the head there like it all starts at home and I think the more self-aware and empowered we are as mothers and fathers, the more we are comfortable to have these conversations with our sons and normalise different body types. Like I've, like I said, I've got three boys and I've got three totally different body types. And my husband is quite buff. Like he, he works out every day, he's in the gym, um, you know, and they look at him and, and, you know, how strong he is and his muscles and stuff. And they think that that's how they're going to look. And so we, we have these conversations frequently that, Everybody is different. Every body type is different and that's okay. Like my, my oldest son, he's um, quite tall and, and skinny and that's his body type. And then my, my middle son, he's, got, he's very athletic, very muscly already. Um, and my, my youngest son, he's, he's always been quite chubby since a baby. He's still got that baby fat. So, yeah. you know, we, we talk about um, how, you know, it's okay for all of us to look different. We're all unique and we're all special in our own ways. So you've got to um, keep it age appropriate, but definitely start having those conversations from a young age to help them appreciate themselves and also appreciate the diversity um, and the differences between us. Mm, I absolutely love everything that you said there. Like I resonate so much with what, how you're communicating with your sons right now. And I think that, you know, I do communicate with my stepdaughters with the ages that they're at right now in that way. And I just need to make sure that we're constantly having these conversations yeah. and bringing them to the forefront because 
that's only going to make it easier when they have these moments in life, like body shaming and things like that, that will come up because they come up for everyone. So have you had any experiences with body shaming? And if you have, what sort of things did you do to overcome that? Yes. So I, um, I grew up with a family that was very critical. So um, that was just the norm. Like, you know, I would hear things like, oh my gosh, you cannot wear that. And um, not to me personally, but to, to people outside of our family unit. So very critical of others. And, and I always just looked at that and I thought, well, that's kind of mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's none of your business what other people wear and do with their bodies. So I always thought that was quite odd to be commenting on how other people look and how pe- other people carry themselves. But, um, but yeah, definitely grew up around a lot of criticism and a lot of, um, yeah, just critiquing of how people look. So I think I experienced body shaming um, in a vicarious way, not really um, to, towards myself, but um, definitely saw, you know, family members being very critical of others. Um, but I think afterward, after I had a baby, that's when I really started to put the pressure on myself and compare myself a lot to what I saw online and, and especially other mums, you know. And I think it's, it's absolutely human nature for us to compare ourselves to others. That's how we know where we are in the ranking of, of humans, you know, but when you start to put yourself down and then attach um, a negative self-worth or negative thoughts or negative feelings about yourself, that's when it becomes dangerous. I think comparing yourself to others is totally normal, but we also need to preface that with it's okay to be different, you know, and, and learn to appreciate other people's beauty and not question your own at the same time yeah it's absolutely just so important that we do that and for me my I guess what I refer back to and a mantra I use is like I've done the work to get here I'm going to do the work to get out of here if I'm uncomfortable and uncomfortable doesn't mean unhealthy and uncomfortable doesn't mean that I'm overweight or underweight or whatever the case it's just that I'm not comfortable in my skin so I need to put things in place to to move forward to make myself happy um, yeah. And not referring to myself, you know, as overweight or you know having that postpartum skin still here, and and you know those parts of my body that I'm not loving right now, um, that I do wish weren't there. I still need to just reaffirm in my mind they're there for a reason. I did the work to get them. I have. To, it's going to take some time, and to just be kind to myself because you know we're mothers now, and our priorities have shifted. Exactly. I would love to hear this from you, but what are some tools in your mental framework, I suppose, that have enabled you to really thrive in living unapologetically you? That's a huge one because um, like unapologetically is such a big word for me. I have been a chronic people pleaser (laughs) Um, before my self-love journey. I'm even into it. Like I still catch myself doing things that I don't want to do just because I don't want to let someone down. So it's an ongoing um, battle, but I've definitely come such a long way. So I think tool number one is just um, being self-aware and cultivating that skill of self-awareness. So really getting into the habit of thinking about your thoughts, like taking a moment to say, like when you feel a feeling, practice thinking, okay, why am I feeling this way? 
what specific thoughts are leading to this emotion right now and learning to backtrack and connect that connection between thoughts and feelings that's how you build that self-awareness so when I'm feeling like you know when you're doing something that you don't want to do you kind of have this like for me it kind of feels like um like my stomach's kind of turning and I feel like a heaviness in my shoulders and like a guilt on my chest and when I feel that I've learned to kind of look and say okay I didn't really want to do this like I didn't really really want to say yes to this why did I and then try and you know figure out where that root is because we're talking about changing neural pathways here it doesn't happen overnight so if you like look at your baby I think the the average neural pathway for a baby is like a thousand repetitions for an adult that's like 10,000 so for you to to form a habit you're looking at 10,000 repetitions of you practicing that thought over and over and over and over again until it's solidified well, it's not solidified. You can always change it, but it's really ingrained. So when you're trying to change that, you really need to practice and be mindful in your practice of undoing those thoughts. So that for me has been the biggest life-changing tool is making that connection between your thoughts and your feelings and and practicing thinking um, and being aware of your thoughts. So um, will guide you if you let it, you know. We've just got to lean into that a little bit more, I think because I'm the same thing, a people pleaser. It's so easy to just say, oh, yes, I'll do that. I'll add that to my plate. I'll add that to my plate. And then at the end of the day, and your plate is so full and you are so overwhelmed. And it's like, why did I suggest to all these things, you know? You'd be able to create boundaries and lean into that intuition a little bit, I think. So I saw a question on your Instagram that you asked a while ago, and I wanted to, I thought it was, sorry, I thought it would be appropriate to ask you, that question back to you today um, <laughs> I would love to know what does it take for you to be truly at home in your body this I love this question because I was actually asking that of myself <laughs> and it's a question that I still ask all the time when I'm you know especially when I'm feeling uncomfortable and feel you know have those moments as confident as you can be and as much as you can love yourself and practice self-care and do all the things you're still going to have those those days or those thoughts or those moments that creep in and say oh you don't look good in those jeans or um you know why you know if, if a package comes and it's you've ordered ordered your size but it's too small it's not you it's the company <laughs> you know <laughs> um so I think I'm, I'm always asking myself this question and it's always changing it's always evolving um for me I think feeling at home in my body is when I know I'm doing what I need to do for myself and that in itself is definitely a mission and a half when you're a mum like carving out those 10, 20, 30 minutes for yourself every day is a big deal. Like it's not, and, and I want r- women to really hear that because I feel like with the, the whole, the rise of self-care and self-love, um, sometimes we can tend to make it look effortless, mm. you know, and we say things like, oh, it just takes 10 minutes a day. Well, sometimes it's hard to find those 10 minutes a day. So um you know, and some days you're not going to find those 10 minutes. So, like, I want people to really be compassionate with themselves if, if you don't meet that goal for the day. So, for me, um, feeling at home in my body is about, um, yeah, just carving out that time for myself and knowing that I'm doing what I need to do to take care of myself. So, 
at the moment it's just getting back into the gym and and I probably haven't been in the gym for the past two years um so going and signing up for a membership and and actually going to the gym has been really empowering for me and um it's definitely helping me my mental state more than anything else like I don't have a weight loss goal I don't have a you know a fitness I kind of have a rough fitness goal of, of how I want to feel in my body I want to be able to um yeah just move around and jump around freely and not have to worry about my back or my knees or <laughs> you know yeah. all of those things that are coming with age I think but um yeah for me I want to feel strong and I want to feel um confident in my body and are you feeling those things coming now like how are you feeling after a couple of months of gym oh yeah it's it's a it's a mental game for me so that's what I get out of the gym it's that being able to tick that box even if it's 30 minutes in the gym being able to walk out of there and tick that box and say yes I've done this for me that's the best yeah and I know that that endorphin release when I finish is worth every part of the hard to get there and I love that you said just there about um self-care and not overcomplicating it or overwhelming yourself with the need for self-care because you know sometimes it does seem in that social media world mm. all these things that we need to do we need to meditate journal do this do that do this <laughs> there's this list of this self-care yes. then you've got to tick it off on on the appropriate planner on the on your desk on the <laughs> you know like there's a way that we're having to yeah. do these things of self-care like yeah. I've, got a, um, I've got a breathworks class tonight with Nicola Lay and I'm so excited for it but it's at eight o'clock and we've got the girls this week um and I was having a chat to them this morning explaining that I'm on a Zoom with a client um, because otherwise mm-hmm. they'll just ask too many questions. Mm-hmm. And they argued with me. Why would I make that time when, they, when they're awake? Why wouldn't I make it at a time when they're at school or you know, whatever? Why did I think that would be okay? And, like, they're having an argument about me just saying politely, can you guys just make sure that you don't come in the room tonight? It's, mm-hmm. It'll be a big deal if you do. There's a couple other girls coming on the Zoom. Like, you know, it's, you'll introduce yeah. something that's quite important. Um, but, yeah, and, like, it's it's not that easy to get that self-care. And sometimes no. if you've got too many teenagers yelling at you why you shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, goodness, man. So my last question for you today is how can we follow your footsteps in the space of social media to be the change and just start promoting more body positivity? Um, I think... It's it's a personal journey, but do step out of your comfort zone, whatever that means for you. And that doesn't mean go and post a photo of you in a bikini. You know, that for me, that was an extreme step <laughs> that I had practiced multiple times in real life offline before well, I could get to that point. Like I, when I see images <laughs> like that, like women in bikinis being vulnerable on their social media, I'm like, oh. I dream of a day I'm there. I'm not there. I've got so much work to do before there, but wait for me to feel that confidence internally and be able to just do that and trust myself and my confidence, you know? Yeah, Yeah, you'll get there. And like I said, like when I, uh, like I hadn't worn a bikini for probably seven years, I think it was. I did not wear like a two-piece. Like I had a swimsuit, like a one-piece, you know, um, that I was confident to wear and, but, a two-piece bikini in public no way I literally like the first time I thought the first time I actually said to myself okay I'm going to do this I had to it was weeks of building my courage up and like playing that scenario in my head multiple times before I could take the you know really live out that courage drive to the beach 
find the most secluded beach possible <laughs> where no one would see me and lay that towel out, take my dress off and be in a bikini on the beach. Like that was how it went down for me. Um, and then it was just doing that over and over again until I felt confident and, you know, letting people see me in a bikini on the beach and realising, oh, wait, they're not actually running towards me, you know, telling me to cover up. Like that's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, so after I had Jesse and I went to the, I remember I went to the beach in the bikini and I had to like, I had put my sunnies on because I was crying because I'm like, everyone's staring at me. What am I doing? I was so no. emotional. But then I yeah. just kept going like, no, they're not. No one cares. No one's even yeah, looking. Exactly. Yeah. No like <laughs> you've, it's just this self-talk. We've got to constantly be reaffirming to ourselves. You know, you are worthy. You are not your body. You are more than your body. You, your body yeah. is beautiful. Your body can create. Like we just have to yeah. continue this cycle of positive affirmations to build ourselves up and, and really just, give ourselves that empowerment to move through our lives without wondering what people are thinking and that that exactly. fear of judgment because you know something that we say in this house is when the girls are worried about something we say then what and then they'll tell me what would happen then and then what and then what mm. and then what until the end they're like oh well then it's done mm. nothing bad happened or no one died yeah, and, you know big of a deal yeah, yeah. i've just got to ask <laughs> then what you know what's the worst thing that yeah, can happen exactly. to no one's gonna say anything it was the last time yeah. I saw someone walk up to another woman on the beach and say you don't look very nice yeah. you shouldn't yeah. be <laughs> <laughs> exactly and literally look, no one cares no, no one is everyone's too self-conscious worrying about how they look right. and how everyone's perceiving them and looking at them to even think about you worry about what you're doing yeah. that was so freeing when I realized that no one actually cares and and also if they do care it's none of my business exactly. like what people think about me is absolutely none of my business and is a hundred percent to do with them yes oh my goodness absolutely I couldn't resonate anymore with that that's amazing well Lauren thank you so much for your time today I have loved chatting with you and I know that so many listeners are going to love these conversations this conversation sorry um you've just given me so much empowerment and inspiration today I'm on a bit of a high so thank you so much <laughs> thank you so much for having me it's been fun <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside Out. I really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.